When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Talking national title combatants today. We've got Aaron Suttles, the Athletics Alabama beat writer. Later, we're going to be talking to Seth Emerson, who covers Georgia for the Athletic. Uh, last, we saw the Crimson Tide and the Bulldogs. They were busy playing for the national title. Aaron has covered an entire spring practice at Alabama. Guess what? Uh, they're still good. But, Aaron, I, I, I'm curious... From your perspective, you know, Nick Saban always does the never waste a failure thing and, and you know, learn from a loss. And they always seem to come back kind of stronger after they lose one of these these games. But how, how are they different than what we saw on the field in, in Indianapolis? Well, one, I think the chemistry, the makeup, sort of that thing that's always hard to define with the team. I think this team has it a little better. I think mm-hmm. Nick Saban talked about it last year. I think there were. I don't want to use the term selfish, but there were a lot of guys that didn't really buy in to the Alabama culture, um, the Alabama way. And I think that's not going to be an issue this year. I don't think I don't think Will Anderson, who's now going to be a junior and who's standing now on that team, is, is pretty secure and in the country. Uh, I don't think he's going to allow it. Um, and I don't think Bryce Young is going to allow it. So I, I think the culture this year is much better than it was last year. It, it also feels like they may be back to – a, a more dominant brand of defense, yeah. which, you know, we kind of written off as, as nobody's going to do that. And then we saw Georgia do it last year and it's like, Oh, I guess you still can do that. I, I, I just go back to like that Florida game last year for Alabama, where I remember watching in the, in the second half thinking, man, these D linemen are playing a lot of snaps for Alabama guys. Like that's not normal, but it feels like now that they have a little deeper rotation, yeah. Yeah. it's going to look a little more like what we're used to. I think the front seven is going to be much, much better. And and it starts with Will Anderson. Um, and for those, I, you know, I, I predicted it last year, which wasn't, I'm not patting myself on the back. It was an easy prediction to see what was coming from Will Anderson. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it would be 34 and a half tackles for loss. It's but crazy. Knew, They're like Derek Thomas numbers. Yeah. I knew, I knew how good he was. I think this year, Dallas Turner um, is going to introduce himself to the country. I, I think they have the best uh, pass rush duo in the country. And the Nick Saban told Matt Stenchcomb, during the spring game, this is a scary thought for, for opposing offenses that Chris Braswell, who's a former five-star guy from out of the mm-hmm. DMV area, up in, up in D.C. area, um, they're going to find a way to get all three of those guys on the field at once. Interesting. And that is scary. So well, I think outside linebacker is really good. And as you mentioned, I think they'll probably have about eight guys that can, ro- can rotate in on the defensive line this year. Alabama has, under Nick Saban, not traditionally been a big sack team. No, right? that. He, he and he he'll tell you why because he'd like to disrupt the quarterback into throwing an interception Effective rather than put him on the ground. Yeah. But if you can put him on the ground, it's pretty good too. And it I'm seems not. like they're down with that. <laughs> always been my argument to save and saying, okay, sacks aren't the ultimate stack. And I, I get it. You want to affect the quarterback. You can. There's a lot of different ways to do that. But I've never seen a quarterback complete a pass when he's on the ground. 
So someone's like, <laughs> exactly. you can get him on the ground, get him on the ground. And listen, it's been remarkable, and they continue to do it. I think the defensive line recruiting has fallen off a little bit. We don't see very many, you know, we haven't seen any Jonathan Allens. Um, we haven't seen another Quinn and Williams, but the edge player. Oh, we're, we're seeing them. Their names are, are, are uh, Trevon Walker and Jalen Carter, and they, yeah. they play for Georgia now. They're going for Georgia. And now just look at the D-linemen that Texas A&M is stacking up too. I don't, I don't see why D-linemen keep going there. They're not going to get on the field. But my point being, Alabama has – they're not getting those D-linemen, but they're getting edge players like mm-hmm. I've never seen. And, and yeah. to perfectly illustrate that, like, Alabama lost a really good player to the portal this year. You're going to see him this year. And Drew Sanders, Arkansas, that kid mm-hmm. can play. And Dallas Turner was a freshman last year and just beat him out. Wow. So uh, Alabama was just loaded at edge. Yeah, and, and I, I'm enjoying watching Will Anderson. I, I had Will Anderson number one on my Heisman ballot last year. I, I, I cannot wait to see what he does because I'm trying to remember the last time. Because Clowney was really good going into his junior year. But Clowney had a reputation that he didn't always play every play. And like Will Anderson has never once taken a play off that I can remember. So I I can't wait to see what he does even better than he was the first two years. Yeah. It's a shame, you know, I would for him and his family, like there's no reason he shouldn't be the number one pick because he would be the number one pick. He would be the number one pick now. Yes. That's he's got to come back and you hope he stays healthy. I'm sure Alabama will set him up with the insurance policy, but he's, he's got nothing left to prove at this level. Um, he's the real deal. And, and when you get to know him, it's, you know, and we, we, we like to pretend we're objective, but we're also human beings and we'd yes. like to see good things happen to good people. Will Anderson is a, like a level one class A person. Yeah, and and that's so you, you root for that, but you also, I, I heard Billy Napier say this after the Florida Spring game, where you know, basically, good competent people, people who are good at being human beings, tend to be better football players. Yeah. And with Will Anderson, you see why because you see the effort, you see the the care for his teammates, the, the you know the the reason he he plays so hard and and. It make it all sort of makes sense when you hear him talk. Yeah, you know, I did a big story on him before last year, and I went to Georgia, uh, Hampton, Georgia, and, and, and told his story. And one thing that stuck out, I talked to his high school coach, who told me that Will had been making like presidents list at Alabama, and mm-hmm. he didn't tell his high school coach. And his high school coach, they're talking on the phone when he goes, "Why didn't you tell me you're on the dean's list or the president's list?" Yeah. And Will said, "Because you don't brag about something you're supposed to do." Ah. Was, That's ultimately Will Anderson. Uh, that's uh, I I remember hearing that was a uh, that was the argument I I remember with my mom I got you know good report card and I'm like yeah you know the other kids get like a certain dollar figure for every A and she's like you're supposed to get A's <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like oh okay that's that's where we're at can yeah. can, can I get McDonald's is that can we do that <laughs> so yeah Will Anderson seems to have internalized that a lot better than I yeah. did as a kid uh, good parenting. That's right. That's that's fantastic. I I like to hear that. And you know, then on the other side of the ball, they have maybe the other best player in the country in Bryce Young. Now, I, I'm curious, protecting Bryce Young. I, I know they had a couple guys out this spring. Evan yeah. Neal is is headed to the NFL, but it does feel like they're still going to be fairly competent up front. You know, I've, I've been fairly confident that Alabama would be in the national championship game this year. I just look mm-hmm. around. I look at their roster, I look at their leadership, the intangibles, and I look at what they bring back. I look at the schedule. 
and there's no reason they shouldn't be. But if they're not, it's going to be because of the offensive line. Um, okay. It was relatively – now, compared to most of Power 5 football, it's still pretty good. But relatively, yeah. it was not good this spring. Uh, and it was a disaster Saturday. And it was uh, an issue at times last year. Oh, absolutely. Right tackle was a revolving, swinging gate. Um, and now they don't have anybody really solidified at either tackle spot. I, I think inside they're fine. You know, as you mentioned, they got two guys out. Uh, Darian Alcourt, their starting center, has been out. Mill Ekior, one of their starting guards, is out. So I think internally, like inside, they'll be fine. But they have to find that tackle. Now, they went and got uh, Tyler Steen, uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in the portal. They'll bring him in. But that kind of tells you where they are at tackle. And that's not to the, you know disparage Vanderbilt at all. But Alabama recruits offensive tackles really well. And you know at this point, J.C. Latham hasn't solidified himself as a tackle. And Tommy Brockermeyer had a rough spring game. So mm-hmm. I, that's the one thing to me is you look at all the backs they got. They have got to get better and more consistent play out of their offense. All the Texas fans are like, oh, can we get the Brockermeyers back? Maybe, but you know, and Tommy's dealt with some some health issues at Alabama, so it's not really fair. And, and you know, you you played the position. Alabama fans got spoiled to an extent, not like that. <laughs> Jonah Williams and Cam yeah. Robs, guys that came in as freshmen and started right away. And with the latest um, guys they brought in, five star tackles, that's not been the case. Yeah, and I think a lot of that may be what you have to go up against. On, yeah. on a week-to-week basis now, uh, when you look at some of the edge rushers that that, that the SEC teams are trotting out, but the the other thing with their with their offense is, you know, Jermaine Burton comes in from Georgia, and I think that was that was a big point of discussion, and and Seth and I will talk about it a little bit when we talk to him, but I think Jermaine Burton looked at Georgia's offense and where that's like. They're going to force feed Brock Bowers and and it might be Eric Gilbert and Brock Bowers. Right. And that's that's the way they're going to run it. They're going to run it through that position. Uh, Jermaine Burton saw Jamison Williams come in and immediately light up at Alabama because it does seem that Alabama likes to feature a couple of receivers like they, they like to have the, the kind of these are the two guys or the one or two guys that we're going to we're going to hang our hats on. So. Could could Jermaine Burton be that guy, or does he yeah, need a little more work there? Yeah, he's he's you know he's he sort of has a John Mechie skill set. He's a skill set. He's a little quicker than John Mechie. And as you mentioned, you put up Mechie's numbers from last year versus Jermaine's Burton career numbers at Georgia, and Mechie last year's are surpassed what yeah he did in two years. So the opportunity there at Alabama, uh, and he's by far had the, was the most consistent receiver they had this spring. It's um. It was my two big storylines for this spring was offensive line development and wide receivers. And it continues. Those are my big question marks going forward because wide receivers really did not have the best spring. Uh, I think Jermaine Burton is really good. I think he's going to be fine to the point where, you know, Louisville wide receiver that I think his last name is Harold was visiting. He got went in the portal. He's already visiting Alabama and he's yeah. supposed to be a speed guy. Um, and if you'll remember last year, it wasn't until after spring that Alabama went out and got Jameson Williams. Right, and and Jameson so. Williams was a case of absolutely loaded receiver room at Ohio State. When you're when you're already looking at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave might right. be targeted ahead of you, and then right. you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba and like, oh, there might right. be three guys targeted ahead of me. So you know, and Alabama's they've been spoiled. What was it, two or three years ago? Uh, Jalen Waddle was legitimately your fourth wide receiver. That's crazy. It is. So, it, they had four first rounders on the field at the same time. 
And they went from, I believe it was 1968 until Julio Jones in 2011 between having first round receivers. And then all now they're all of a sudden a wide receiver factory. But look, they've demonstrated, and this is why the, the, they're the, the most attractive for any high level receiver in the portal. They're the most attractive destination because they've shown they're going to give you the ball. You're going to get touches. Yeah. And they got a wide, they can say, now say we produced a Heisman Trophy winner wide receiver. Um, we're producing first round draft picks. And it started really you know, with that evolution of Alabama's offense. When they brought Lane Kiffin in, they opened the offense up more. At first, it started attracting better quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and now wide receivers want to play with those quarterbacks. Yeah, and we, speaking of the transfer portal, we cannot let this conversation go without mentioning Jameer Gibbs, who may Ooh. be the biggest prize out of the transfer portal of anybody this season. He was at Georgia Tech. It was a big deal when he signed with Georgia Tech. It was it was okay. Jeff Collins has has you know started to get into the Atlanta area and, and really get those those players to to want to stay home. And then Jameer Gibbs plays there and he's like, nope, I'm going to Alabama. Yeah. And he should have been at Alabama all along. Man, well, let's be perfectly honest. He's my candidate. I think he's going to lead the team in, in total yardage from scrimmage this year. I think he's phenomenal. He had a 75-yard touchdown run in the 8A game, which happened, by the way, you'll notice, Will Anderson was not on the field. There were times I heard, right. Yeah, I read in your story that they basically had to take Will Anderson off the field so their offense could yeah. function. Yeah. Their offense, which is run by a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. So Jameer Gibbs, he's electric. He's got speed. I thought Nick Saban said it best in, in press conference when he was asked about Jameer Gibbs. said, best quote ever is like, fast is fast. And yeah. Jameer Gibbs is fast. Well, and, and it seems like he's versatile, too. It seems like they might be able to do some of the things they did, they did with Najee. Or, or some of the the other guys who've been, yeah, Josh Jacobs, who've been kind of a, a little bit of a pa- of a receiving threat as well. And look, I mean, it, if they don't know exactly what they have at receiver yet, that can make things a lot easier. Yeah, they're loaded at running back. You know, Jace McClellan's going to come back from an injury. Roy Dale Williams is back. Trey Sanders, former five star. Yeah, uh, Jamarian Miller. They got another five star coming in um, at the end of May in Emmanuel Henderson, so th- they're absolutely loaded right back. Well, and and you mentioned earlier, you know, the the edge rusher that that left to go to Arkansas, and you know, I, it's funny because we're going to talk to Seth a little bit, but the Georgia people are all freaking out about well, losing all these guys to the portal. That's like, part of it. That's what happens when you recruit that many five stars; they can't all play. Yeah, and, and that's part of it, and. You understand, like, especially certain positions, like quarterback really started this. Like, if you're not going to play quarterback, there's only one guy that can play quarterback, so your opportunity is limited. But I think other other players are seeing that, you know, where they are on the depth chart. And a lot of, we're, you know, you're going to see it really post-spring because that's yeah. when they, they see where they are on the depth chart. And, and they know the odds are long, and they probably, those are the guys that are probably going to Can you give any, any other fan bases any hope that somebody who, who might not have cracked it at Alabama might be headed out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you start looking at um, if they're going to bring in another receiver. Some of those rec- we already seen a Jai Hall at the portal. He's um, yeah, Javon Baker, Texas. Yeah, now he's at Kentucky. A wide receiver would be a position. I look maybe offensive lineman. It, you know, if, if those guys aren't playing how they thought they would play, maybe linebacker. Um, I mean, there are several positions that that you sort of just see the writing on the wall for a couple guys. It is, uh, it's something because, you know, in Alabama, they're used to this. Like this is, this is just part of the year. This is, this is that part of the year where the depth chart is, 
does Nick Saban claim to have a depth chart yet? Uh, he always said that no. we don't need one, but no. they know. Yeah, and everybody knows. And but listen, now it's it's it also works to your advantage. I mean, Alabama got two high quality starters out of the portal last year, and Henry Toto mm-hmm. and and Jameson Williams. This year they got Eli Ricks. Um, they got Jameer Gibbs. They got Jermaine Burton. That's going to be three starters. They got <laughs> Tyler crazy. Steen, who's going to come in and compete for a starting offensive tackle position. There's four, and they might get another wide receiver. That'll be five. So the portal taketh away, but it also giveth. And Alabama seemed to uh, getteth quite a bit more <laughs> every time. So, I, 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 but hey, listen, when you win that many titles, it's easy to keep it rolling. So, uh, going to be fun to watch. Maybe if Will Anderson has a similar season or even a better season, more of uh, more of our Heisman Trophy voting brethren will recognize that, hey, it's pretty special to do that on the defensive side of the ball. It was pretty special to watch it last year. And again, you know, he's a great player, but love covering the guy because he's, he's just a quality human being. Well, I, th- those numbers are, are crazy, and Alabama people know because they, they remember Derek Thomas. I didn't think there'd be another one, but there, there may be another one. <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Aaron, thank you so much. All right. Take care. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Joined now by Seth Emerson, the Athletics Georgia beat writer. He's covered a lot of really good players. And and right now, Seth, you're covering a lot of good tight ends. You, you you covered the Georgia spring game last weekend. And I, I don't know how 14 personnel works. I don't even know if you can do that with, with a back and four tight ends. Uh, but it, it feels like that's something Georgia could really do and just terror, terrorize opposing defenses. You know, I was talking about this with uh, Chris Doring um, for a story that we'll have run uh, by the time you all are watching us and listening to this. But essentially, if Georgia has the two best receivers in the SEC and they just happen to be tight ends, it doesn't matter, right? Like, you know, they they may meet with the wide receiver room. They may meet mm-hmm. in the tight end room. Once they take the field, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I think that's what Todd Munkin gets to play with I, I, this offseason and, and figure out what he has and um, – there, there was a lot of kvetching about Georgia losing Jermaine Burton. And, I mean, look, good receiver. And he uh, went to Alabama. That that yeah. probably had a lot to do with that. Yeah, and uh, there, there's still more kvetching about the, does Georgia recruit well enough at wide receiver? They don't have you know, a five-star. Now, they do have some guys that were injured last couple years, Arian Smith and Dominic Blaylock, who if they return to form, they could be that guy. They could be as good as Jermaine Burton. But maybe we're obsessing a little bit too much about one position when Georgia easily is going to make up for it at a position that essentially does the same thing, which is catch footballs and catch. Well, t- and, and, and Brock Bowers uh, chilling during the spring as he recovers 
from an injury, right? So then you really get to see that what, awesome. yeah, what you really get to see what Eric Gilbert could do. And we saw Eric Gilbert as a freshman at LSU, and then he's out all of last year. But this spring, it feels like a, a reminder of what a weapon he could be if used properly. Well, I, I also don't know that I mean, sometimes we read too much into things, but Eric Gilbert, when he came to Georgia, they moved him to wide receiver. They like did that the day he enrolled and the day he ah, okay. said, not only are we adding Eric Gilbert, this was June, 2021, but we are moving him to wide receiver and we're like, Oh, he still listed as that as a wide receiver, but it when doesn't the, matter. <laughs> right. But when he came back, um, after going away last season, he, they moved him to tight end. They moved him back to tight end. Yeah. Which I don't think it has too much. That was sort of what you were saying, Andy, that it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Kirk was saying, when, when I asked, when I asked him, like, is he a, is he back at tight end or is the, the, the distinction not matter? Kirby said, well, we see him as a tight end. Like he's put on weight, blah, blah, blah. But when you already have Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, who you're trying to keep from not transferring, um, and you got Oscar Delp coming in, and you're moving Eric Gilbert from seemingly a position of need, wide receiver to tight end, what that tells me is that, yeah, they don't care. They'll So they're four deep at tight end. They'll play all four. Well, And, and you could tell, even from the beginning of last season, as they created more ways to force feed the ball to Brock Bowers, it doesn't matter where you line them up as yeah. long as they're getting the ball. So yeah. you, you can call it whatever. This isn't this isn't the NFL with Jimmy Graham going to arbitration to figure yeah. out whether he's a receiver or a tight end for salary purposes. Like it doesn't matter. Well, Georgia used multiple tight ends for over half of their offensive snaps last year, and they weren't in goal line for over right. half offensive snaps. Uh, you know, Brock Bowers was flexing out. There was a. That there were several formations. I distinctly remember one from the SEC championship where they had three tight ends flexed out to the same side. One of them was John Fitzpatrick, who's right. now NFL. So yeah, I mean they've already been doing it. It it's the the metamorphosis of the tight end position, not distinct to Georgia, has kind of been happening gradually. And you may see, I you know, I'm not a man of hyperbole, yeah. but will be right now. You may see Georgia have an offense in 2022, unlike we've ever seen before in college football. And there could be copycats if it works. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, what you do is you respond to what everybody else does. Defenses got lighter and smaller to deal with spread offenses. How do you, how do you counteract a really fast, lighter, smaller defense with big dudes? Because Mm -hmm. they're harder to cover. Now, it helps that Georgia can find big dudes who can run. Like that's yeah. that's what makes Brock Bowers and, and Gilbert so special. And Washington's a massive guy, uh, probably not as as fast as those other guys, but pretty hard to cover. So it, it is interesting that they've they've sort of found their own way to zig. Which mm-hmm. you know, again, all of the Kirby Saban comparisons, Kirby seems to have taken the thing that matters from Nick Saban, whereas some of the other former Saban assistants could not evolve, figure it out, do something different. Speaking of figuring it out, we've talked for six minutes, Seth, and we have not mentioned George's defense yet. Uh, They're losing an an abundance of talent. We will be talking a lot about 
Trevon Walker, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, all of the people who are going to be drafted next week. We're going to be talking a lot about them next week. Who are we going to be talking about this fall on Georgia's defense that is a star? And we can start with Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter was going to be the first name I said because we're going to see Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, possibly both go in the first round. Trayvon yeah. Walker. Well, throw in Trayvon Walker. Well, I mean, Walker's going to be higher, drafted higher than both of those guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, three defensive linemen. And good case to be made that Jalen Carter, who had to come back for another year, is better than all of them. Yeah. Um, Jalen Carter with Trayvon Walker kind of going to be kind of nip and tuck because Trayvon Walker is going to be taken pretty high. But um, he's just a guy. He He's also not quite like anybody they've had. They've And he played his own position like Jordan Davis was a prototypical nose but a very athletic nose which made him special um Devontae Wyatt was kind of prototypical defensive tackle uh Trayvon Walker prototypical defensive end Jalen Carter a little smaller than Jordan Davis but can still play the nose maybe you know a little more athletic than Devontae Wyatt but can still play defensive tackle he's a guy who's gonna who's gonna make Here's something that's going to be interesting to watch. He, he's, your, he's your nose on your obvious passing downs, yeah. and then you, you can move him out at, well, on the earlier downs. Last year, a lot of people, everyone talk, Everyone is, is trying to – we're in the season now of we're knocking down NFL prospects. Um, Jordan Davis, whether he can be a three-down guy because he didn't play a lot of th- third downs um, in passing situations. Georgia moved Trayvon Walker inside on a lot of third downs. Right. Jalen Carter on the field if his conditioning will allow it. Uh, because they're not going to have quite as many. They're not going to have the the. They won't have the elite depth yeah. that they had last year. But yeah. something to watch is like Georgia is going to have a lot of guys drafted this year, whose NFL production could end up being better than their college production because Georgia didn't have defensive guys with eye popping stats because they all kind of canceled each other out. There was yeah. only. They weren't on the field that long because they forced so many three and outs. But this year, a Jalen Carter may blow up. Um, a Nolan Smith and Robert Beal, the two edge rushers, maybe if another guy gets in there, could get up to 10 sacks. Um, the, Robert Beal led them last year with 6.5 sacks. Wow. Uh, you know, I, and and I, I think the guy we all everyone automatically says Jalen Carter, but the name to know on defense um, that people around the SEC and the nation probably don't know is uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson mm-hmm. at linebacker um, kid from Baltimore who didn't play his high school senior year because of COVID and uh, just came in. And from the minute he got here as a true freshman last year, you kept hearing his name is just making plays. Just a, another guy that for the perception that Kirby and Georgia just go out and sign the best guys they can on the composite ranking list. They actually do a good job of, scouting and evaluate doing their own evaluating and you know he was a he was a blue chip he was a four-star but he wasn't a top 50 guy he's gonna he's gonna end up being a top 50 type guy yeah and that's the thing i mean jordan davis is a three-star guy they, they've been able to find guys that are underappreciated in that world and but they fit what george and this was you know you talk about programs that succeed they they get highly rated guys who fit what they do they can not be so- just highly rated guys yeah, they can be selective, and in the age of NIL, Kirby has been kind of dropping hints that they've, or he's kind of outright said without 
offering specific players and cases, but they've been, I think, sifting through, maybe mm-hmm. crossing off some guys off their lists or prioritizing differently based on whether they think somebody's got stars in their eyes a little bit too much when it comes to NIL. Well, and I think that's important. I think you look at Alabama, they've been, done a good job with that. And, you know, we had Honor Richardson on talking about Texas, and that's something they've not been able to to get out of the program. And, you know, people can talk about, well, NIL makes this more difficult. Well, they got NIL deals at Alabama and Georgia too. But they also have a self-selecting sample of players who – for to to use a phrase is frequently used by Kirby and Nick Saban. Keep the main thing the main thing, and that's what, a, that's a skill. <laughs> like yeah, you can be selective. Like yeah. that, that's the kind of thing Texas and Texas A and M can't be at this point. Right, A and M may get to that point if they right. have a couple more classes like this one. Because but, it's cool. As much as these kids do want money, we all want money. All right, let's yeah. be clear about that. Yes. These guys are getting NIL deals when they get here. I'm not saying Georgia is just, you know, this, you know, right. power thing, but it's also cool to these recruits to go play for the national champion or to play for Alabama. Now it's cool to play for Georgia, especially after the way the draft goes in a week. Um, so that allows them to be a little bit more selective about something. We'll be right back after these words. One thing they don't have to be selective about is a starting quarterback, which you wrote this in your mailbag last week, and then Kirby uh, backed it up after the spring game. And it's just amazing to me that it even needs to be said. But Stetson Bennett is Georgia's starting quarterback. Stop trying to supplant Stetson Bennett before the season starts. It, it's it's still happening. It's going to happen. Um, look, people just cannot get over the fact that he's undersized and he was a walk-on. It's just, it's always going to be there. Um, I, the Andy, the one sentiment I understood because I, 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 I'm not saying I favored it, but like I, I definitely saw it was that maybe it would have been better for Georgia as a program if Stetson Bennett hadn't returned this year, and you know you can have Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift compete. You've got some runway now. You don't need to win a national championship in 2022 to. But you still might be able to. But so yeah, bring back the guy who got you one. But that's not the way coaches and players think. Number one, yeah. coaches want to win the national championship every year if they can. Yeah, Bennett gives them the best chance to do that. Also, and, in the age of NIL, who can make more relative to that last year? Because Stetson Bennett probably doesn't have a huge NFL future, but he can be the most popular guy in the state of Georgia for a long time. And you know, I I think he also just is having fun. Like he. Yeah. I, I talked to him after G day along with other media members and yeah, it's different this spring for him because every spring that he's been at Georgia and this was his fifth, he's been playing from behind. He's been battling just to get chances in practice. Now he's the number one. Now he, he gets to go party and everyone's like, Hey, it's Stetson Bennett, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, it's it sets and Bennett's name on the poster now. Yeah, like, that's that wasn't happening before. But I also, but, having covered this program long enough, um, do we remember uh, how Jacob Eason was Georgia's starter throughout the 2017 championship run? Do we remember how uh, Jamie Newman led Georgia throughout the 2020 <laughs> season? 
Um, and JT Daniels, what a run in 2021. I, I do I do recall some things changing once the seasons yeah. began. Yes, yeah. that's true. Now, so, to that end. Guarantee to, Stetson Bennett starts the whole season, in other words. Right. And look, JT Daniels got hurt. Stetson Bennett took over and didn't give it back. To that end, Carson Beck comes out and throws a dime right off the bat yeah. in the spring game and looked really good, really comfortable in the offense. And I've been saying for several years, if you can be the number two at a massive program, stay. Mm -hmm. Stay there and be the number two because there's a very good chance you wind up the number one because things happen. Right. Now, I don't know what that means for Vandegrift or whatever, but it does it feel like Carson Beck is is happy and and content to be number two right now? Probably. Um, I see every time I drive in off Millage Avenue a uh, – a poster with Carson Beck uh, endorsing a Athens painting company. Oh, so very nice. Getting some, some money too. Um, you know, I, I still think that Carson Beck is the, the gap between Bennett and Beck is bigger than the gap between Beck and Vandegrift. Vandegrift. Okay. As good as Beck looked, he was playing against the second team defense with the second team offense. Right. With Vandergriff looked a little rougher in the first half because he was going with the ones against the ones. Then they switched in the second half, and it, you know, you know how things go in spring games. Everyone right. has narratives baked in at halftime. Yeah, they, Beck actually went one for five when they put him with the first team with the, with the ones. Yeah, so, so but I, I do think Beck is ahead. He's also a different kind of quarterback. Like Bennett acknowledged that Munkin has tweaked the playbook, knowing that Bennett will be the starter, and Vandergriff is more like Bennett. So. Mm. It could. It, 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 that's an interesting dynamic there. Plus, Connor Stockton is here as a true freshman, yeah. and if Arch Manning announces for Georgia sometime between now and next season, then all bets are off as far as. Yeah, I mean, look, at least one of these guys that we just mentioned is going to transfer, and probably two of them will. I, I would think. End of the day, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. It's just that's just how it works, and and people can get mad about that, or they can they can you know. Say, well, I want this guy to stay. It, it doesn't matter. That a program like Georgia is going to keep stacking quarterbacks and they're going to play who's ready to play right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not that guy, when it happens for you, you're going to have to transfer. Uh, May 1st would be the the deadline to get into the transfer portal if you want to play somewhere else next season. So or this coming season. Right. So we'll we'll find all this out in the next couple of weeks. I'm I'm fascinated by that, Seth. You have a, a lot of work. Um, uh, by the way, uh, as we're recording this, Amarius Mims coming back to Georgia. That was yeah. an interesting one because this is a guy who probably could have started somewhere else. And now he would have he would have had to go outside the SEC because you have to be in the portal by February 1st to play at another SEC school. So I think Florida State was the school that I believe one of the Florida State sites even <laughs> hit the button on the story of he's coming. Yeah, but. But he comes back, and that I, I'm curious about how do, how are they handling this at Georgia, where he's a player they feel like could be very good for them down the road, mm -hmm. but there's also a chance he could go somewhere and start right now. How do they how do they handle that recruitment? Well, I mean, I think things may crystallize a bit in the preseason if, like, we see Amarius Mims su suddenly getting some first team reps, but he's blocked at both the tackle spots by the two guys that finished the national championship game at tackle for Georgia, 
Broderick Jones on the left, who's another former five-star, and Warren McClendon on the right. But both of those guys are draft eligible after the 2022 season. So, you know, maybe they're telling Marius Mims, look, you know, just wait. And also there are injuries. Um, yeah, you know, right. it could get creative. And, there, you know, some people, have, some fans have said, well, you got to keep Marius Mims on the roster. So move one of those other tackles inside. I'm like, well, ah, you know, they, they want to not. How about play the best five? And if he yeah. happens to want to stay, then he can stay. But they like cards too. So yeah. I think. I think it's just, you know, I, I think there might have also been some personal stuff going on with Mims staying here, like in a mm-hmm. good sense. Like he may have decided to leave based on playing time, frustration. And then once you leave and once you go on the red carpet and you come back to Georgia because he was yeah. going to school here. By the way, JT Daniels is too. He's going to go to West Virginia. I'm not saying JT Daniels. Right, he's just finishing up. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he probably had friends in his ear saying, hey, you know, we'll miss you and stuff like yeah. that i'm georgia you know so he's listen he's, you can walk to kelly's and get some jerk chicken from the complex on walk though it's it's a, it's a you could say good walk because it walk it, you walk off the chicken and the rice and peas the, the georgia nutrition people would prefer you stop at subway right before kelly's which is right there oh, but kelly's is so good i know so good yeah. so well i i am very interested to see what happens next because you know, Georgia's had guys go into the portal for the reason, basically, you just said they've been blocked by better players ahead of them, and that's what happens. You, if you want to play in the NFL, you got to play somewhere in college. So you're you're seeing some of this talent stacking. That's that's what happens, and you see it at Alabama. You've seen that for years. So uh, we'll see how Georgia handles this success. But it seems like they uh they got a plan. They're. Yeah, I mean, they are stacking five-star classes on top of each other, which means you lose five stars, but then you just plug in another one and it's and and the we we alluded to it earlier with Jordan Davis and the the next crop of guys like that, like Jamon Dumas Johnson guys like that. Georgia needs some credit for how they've evaluated. They've yep. they've done a good job with getting guys that are a little undervalued by other recruits or other schools. There are always players in the banana stand. Seth Emerson, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy.